us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's no stopping us. Irrespective of how hard it's going to be, we know that we are going to live above it. Praise the Lord. We are going to overcome. And even though we live here on earth, here in Nigeria, our citizenship is not of this world. We are ambassadors of Christ. Praise the Lord. And because we are ambassadors, even though the economy might affect us physically, nothing will affect our spiritual lives. The Bible said, Paul said, that what can deter me from the love of the Lord? Is it hardship? Is it persecution? Nothing. Nothing should deter us from serving God. Praise the Lord. And my prayer is that the Lord will continue to make a way for his people. The Bible said he's the one that makes streams in the middle of the desert. He's the one that levels the mountain before us. He will always make a way where there seems to be no way. So I'd like us to take comfort in the fact that we serve a living God. Even though a thousand might fall by our right hand and ten thousand by our left, it shall not hurt us. Praise the Lord. I'd like you to take comfort in knowing that God is always by our side. And in the past few weeks, the senior pastor has been leading us in the theme for the year. In the year, multimedia, can you help us with that? In the year 2024, those who are well positioned, those of us here in Grace Assembly, who are well positioned, because being in Grace Assembly alone, you are well positioned, amen? And those of us who are well positioned are destined to win no matter what. No matter what, including what is happening right now, no matter what, we are definitely destined to win. And in the last few weeks, the senior pastor has been doing an exposition on our destination, our predestination, and how that we needed to be well positioned in order for winning to be inevitable. And for some of us that have been here, please, I'd like you to share with us because, you know, the service, the, the theme or the exposition was like concluded on Sunday. But we'll do like a kind of summary here today. And those of us that have been listening to those sermons, including that taken by Pastor Yomi, please, I'd like us to share with us what you have learned over the past few weeks about positioning. And I would like to really hear what our take home has been over the last few weeks. So if you have something to share with us about something that you really held on to, please, I'd like you to raise your hand and share with me. I believe every one of us learned something in the last month. Praise the Lord. Today is the last day of January. Yes, it's the last day of January. January 31st. And I'm sure many of us are excited because we've already collected our salaries. Praise the Lord. And some of us that are Business owners, you've already paid salaries. <laughs> it's not a good time for some business owners. But um, I'm sure we, most of us are excited to pay salaries. And those of us that are receiving salaries, I'm sure you're happy. Some people are smiling seriously. It's like they've actually received salaries. Praise the Lord. So please, I'd like you to help me. What are the things that you have learned over the last month about being well positioned? Anyone like to share with us what he has learned? We're definitely going to hear from us. I'd like everyone to just contribute what you have learned over the last month. 
Okay, Jonathan wants to bail us out. Put your hands together for Jonathan. I would like to hear from the rest of us what we have learned over the last month. Good evening, church. Good evening. Um, I think the key takeaway so far is, for me at least, is the staying position. Because there have been so many times in the past where even though I've been what I would regard as well positioned, you know, turbulence came or a storm came and it kind of took my eye off the ball and um, got distracted or took a turn that wasn't meant to turn. And so that staying position that Pastor talked about, well, everyone has mentioned. I think staying power, right? That staying power staying, and staying power. position is really the one that has stuck with me and resonated with me because it's just about maintaining your faith. Yeah. Put your hands together for Jonathan. Thank you. Anyone? Minister Omotayo. stayed on the Bible verse for the year, which I confess daily. I pray together with my children. We hold our hands and uh, we confess the word that the Lord our God is in our midst and is a great warrior that will give every one of us victory. Mm. Oh my. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty warrior bringing victory. And she prays it every day. And the Lord will surely give us victory in Jesus' name. And we should pray that prayer every day, no matter what we are facing. And you know we are constantly at war. Just know that no matter the war you are facing, the Lord will bring you victory. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody? Praise the Lord. I have a few things that I learned. I think one of the messages the senior pastor said is better to position. No. He says, it's better for someone to position you. I mean, it's, it's good for you to position yourself, but it's better that someone positions you. Praise the Lord. How many of you remember that? You can imagine that. You are, I mean, there's a limit to where you can position yourself. You know there's a limit to how you can position yourself. There are certain things that no matter what you do, it becomes extremely difficult for you to get to a particular level. If I will ask you, many of us have never been to a helipad before. You know what an helipad is? How many of us have been to an helipad before? Where helicopters land? You've been there. How many of us have been there? See what I'm saying? Sometimes, many of us here have not even been to where helicopters land. And you see, sometimes, you, no matter how you tried, even me, the first time was just last year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I remember one of those days where I wanted to celebrate birthday for my wife. So I went to Captain Brown. I wanted to surprise her by asking helicopter to come and pick her. She doesn't know this. This is the first time I'm saying this. <laughs> I wanted her, the, the helicopter to come and pick her somewhere. And she wouldn't know that the helicopter, all of a sudden, the helicopter would just land and pick her. So I contacted Captain Brown and just said, Captain Brown, please, I, I need to hire the helicopter. How much is it going to cost me? By the time he mentioned the amount, I respected myself. <laughs> I said, Sure, is this why is this my wife like this? <laughs> I, 
I didn't even bother telling her I had that plan at all. I just respected myself. You discover that there are certain places you can never be. But when you are well positioned, now I have been to a helipad. I've even flown in a helicopter. And I didn't have to pay for it because somebody positioned me there. Praise the Lord. Don't worry, my wife, you'll still get there. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Yomi said something about sometimes in order to be well positioned, you need to serve sandwiches. How many of you remember that message? You need to serve sandwiches. You need to take a job that might look very demeaning. And he gave an example of an, a role he was asked to play. And then people came to him and said, why are you taking up this role? Why? You are more than this. You are more than this. And for him, he just felt the job needed to be done and I'm available to do it. It's something I can do. And he did it. And he said on that day that he was highly honored. He was highly honored, even before the president of this country. So it's good for us to position ourselves, but it's better that somebody positions us. Last Sunday, the senior pastor said, a genius in the wrong place may seem like a fool. A genius in the wrong place may seem like a fool. And sometimes, because we are not properly positioned, you begin to question yourself. Maybe, maybe, I'm a fool. <laughs> I remember when I wanted to start a business many years ago, and I began to tell people about the amount of money I needed to raise. At that time, 10 million naira. 10 million in 20, 2009. It was a lot of money in 2009. Now, it's almost nothing. <laughs> okay. It's almost nothing. But in 2009, it was a lot of money. And my salary at that time was 30,000 naira. So for someone who was earning 30,000, he was looking for 10 million to start a business. And, and the people I shared it with, they were telling me, are you okay? Are you okay? Who is going to give you 10 million? And it didn't matter to me that the money was big. All I needed was, all I was telling myself, this is what I need to do the business. Then I asked myself a question, what do I need to do? Probably I'm among the wrong set of people. So I wrote a business plan and began to take it to people who I thought may better position me. I didn't get 10 million. But I got, some, I got 4 million naira at that time to start. And I started, praise the Lord. Because I changed my circle. I moved myself from the position where I was, where people thought I was not okay, to a place where people felt that the idea made sense. Praise the Lord. So it's important for us to begin to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are we? And sometimes, this positioning might take us through rough patches, like Joseph. You know that Joseph had a dream. And if you had asked Joseph in his widest imagination, if he would have to be thrown into the pit and be sent to prison, and then to serve as a houseboy to get to his dream, he probably would not accept that part. But that part, in God's 
path for him was a way to position him in the right place. If Joseph continued to be the favorite of his father, he probably wouldn't have achieved what God wanted him to achieve. But the positioning of God made it seem like he was going through a rough patch. Why I said seem is because even though he was going through the rough patch, he was actually going to the place the Lord wanted to position him. Praise the Lord. So we need to understand that sometimes we may need to go through the rough patch, but we need to be able to differentiate whether we are in the wrong place or whether we are walking in line with God for our lives. Because you know there's just a very fine line between the two. Sometimes you might just simply be in the wrong place. Sometimes you might be in the place the Lord is leading you to. So you, meet, you need to be able to differentiate where you are. That leads me to what I would like us to look at today. I'd like us to turn to Genesis Genesis chapter 1. I'll be reading from verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 2. Please just continue. Okay, let me read it myself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. I asked myself in this business of positioning, where should we look at? And I think that we needed to look at what God did in the very beginning. So I've decided to title today's interaction as the repositioning strategy. The repositioning strategy. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For a very long time, I have asked myself this question. Was this really the beginning? Praise the Lord. Was this really the beginning? My argument was... The beginning could not have been God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning should have been how did God come to be? Praise the Lord. This is one question we don't, we don't usually ask. How did God come to be? If I ask you today, what is your beginning? You will stand up and say, my life started when I was born, on the 1st of January, 1980. Am I correct? You start with when you were born. You start with where you went to kindergarten, how you went to secondary school, how you did all that, how you did this and how you did that. 
before you now became an adult. But in God's dictionary, he said his beginning was when he created. So what happened before God created? It doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. Because your life does not really begin until you create. Your life does not really count until you begin to do something. And I felt that the position God was in the very beginning was not a position that he liked. It was not a position that made it his existence made sense. He was merely existing as God. But nobody knew. Nothing knew. There was absolutely nothing. So it didn't make sense for God that he was existing. God needed to create something. The Bible said, according to the Amplified Version, can you help? Okay, the Amplified Version is on the screen there. The Bible said, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. When we begin to create something, we begin to add value. And our life does not matter if there is no value we are adding. Our life will not make any sense if there is no value. And here the, Lord, the scripture taught us that God created out of nothing. And we've always had excuses when it comes to adding value. When it comes to creating something. When it comes to doing something that has, makes sense. We always have excuses because we don't have anything. Praise the Lord. Many of us we have jobs. And when we are asked, why are you not doing your job properly? The first question is, the office did not provide internet for us. When you are asked, why are you coming late to the office? You say the office is not paying me well enough. So I don't take this bus. I take, I take a BRT. And the line in BRT is too long. So I have to wait. And then it makes me come late. How many of us, we know we give those excuses. <laughs> Barrister said, no, we don't give those excuses. Can you help me? What, can I, what are the kind of excuses that people give not to produce results? Traffic. Minister said traffic. What else? What are the kind of excuses that we give that makes us not to produce results? No money. <laughs> bad government. Bad government. I like that. Very bad government. A lot of us, you know, we transfer everything to the government. What else? Somebody said no money. You know? I'm sure by now all of you know that I'm in Computer Village. When I started in Computer Village, I used to enter Moluwe. Is there Moluwe now? There's still Moluwe now. Okay. <laughs> what you ask this? I used to enter Moluwe to come to work. And guess what? The work I was coming to, I was not paid. I was not being paid. But I just could not sit at home. So I find my way, anyhow, enter Moluwe, standing Moluwe to come 
to Ikeja from Orile. Do you know where Orile is? You don't know where Orile is? Orile Igomu. I used to come from Orile Igomu to Ikeja every day, and I was not paid. It was there that somebody saw me and said, ah, I want this guy to work for me. And started to pay me. So we don't have any excuses. But we are very good at excuses. Everything will transfer it to the government. It is because of the government that you are not adding value. The government. I'd like us to read some examples of people who gave excuses in the Bible. I want us to read Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I don't know if you know the story of Moses. Moses was dumped in the sea. And you know who took him? The Pharaoh's daughter. And he started to live as the son of Pharaoh. Or as the grandson of Pharaoh. So he grew up in the palace. And then he, God began to talk to him about delivering his people. He ended up killing somebody. became a murderer and ran away. And God met him and said, see, that thing I told you, I'm still serious about it. And then Moses said here, who am I? Do you know the point of this? Moses said, who am I? But the fact remains that Moses is actually somebody. Because he grew up in the palace. And yet, his excuse was, who am I? And you know that was not the only thing Moses said. He said, I'm slow to speech. I can't talk very well. He came up with so many excuses, just like many of us. The truth is that sometimes, when we are asked to do certain things, the first question that crossed your mind was, who are you? I'm a nobody. You tell yourself that you don't matter. You are forgetting that you are the son of the king of kings. And it does not matter the background where you are coming from. Because you are looking at your earthly roots. You are not looking at your heavenly roots. We tell ourselves that we are not good enough. Who am I? Some people are privileged to go to Ivy League schools. Some people are very privileged. They go to Oxford. They go to University of London. They go to Stanford. They go to MIT. They go to Harvard. So many more people are privileged. I'm privileged. I went to Nandi Azikiwe University. <laughs> and you tell yourself, who are you? My wife is laughing. My wife went to a school called Usman Danfodio University. <laughs> It's a very good school, though. Sokoto. You know, I was asking her when we got married, what on earth took you to Sokoto? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Usman Danu. How many of you have heard of the university before? <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. It's a good school, though. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But many of us keep asking, who am I? But you went to school. Even when you did not go to school, 
you are from somewhere. I remember that my kid's sister used to brag when she was here in Nigeria. I'm from a royal family in the Navy, royal. We call ourselves the Mwosudika and Abalizu, Ezodumegu family. Very massive family, and we are royal people. So when you, my sister is a very, not very tall person. So you know the tendency is that they feel everybody wants to intimidate them, you know. So when you want to do anything to her, you say, I am the daughter of Ezodumegu. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can you imagine? An earthly king. And people will now be wondering, who is this Ezodumegu? Because she's proud of where she's from. And it does not matter where you are from. You are from somewhere. You can just say, I am a tongue-speaking child of God. And now you can face anyone. Praise the Lord. When I was on campus, I was a secretary of a fellowship. And then I was preaching in a bus at one of those times. After preaching in the bus, I, I came down and somebody met me and shook me and said, oh, that was a very wonderful message. A staff of the university. So I was applying for my fellowship to use the university auditorium for, for fellowship, for a big meeting. And then when I was submitting the application to the administrator of the school, lo and behold, who did I see there? It was the same man that came down from the bus and shook my hands and said, so he said, oh, I'm sorry, that place is not available. It's not available. You can't, you can't use it. You can't use it. So I looked at him properly and realized that he was the same man that shook my hand the other time. I said, sir, sorry, do you remember me? He said, um, um, yes, I do. Okay, let me see what I can do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we got that auditorium by the grace of God. So it does not matter who we are. It does not even matter what your parents did. As long as you are the child of the king. You are someone. Please, I need you to stick to our head that we don't have to go to the best. We don't even have to go to school at all. Many people are not privileged to go to school. I'm sure you know that. But it does not mean that there cannot be somebody out of life. It does not mean many, very many successful people in Nigeria today, even though they eventually went to school, they did not go to school. Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, um, Costaris, even though they eventually went to school, but they didn't go to school before. So it does not matter what our backgrounds are, we are someone. So don't ever use the excuse, who am I? I'd like us to read one passage of somebody else. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Sorry, John chapter 5, verse 5. John chapter 5, verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Jesus, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Verse 7. The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I was coming, another steps down before me. Verse 8. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was a Sabbath. I'm sure many of us know the story that there's a pool 
called the pool of Bethsaida. And that when the Holy Spirit comes to the pool, it troubles the pool. And anybody who is sick, you are the first to jump into the pool. Immediately you jump into the pool, you become well. You remember the story? So this man is crippled. And he has been in this condition for 38 years. Am I mistaken? 38 years. 38 years. You have been suffering. You've been lying down. You cannot walk. And then you said, there's a place that can bring salvation to you. All you needed to do was to be the first person to enter it. And you've been suffering for 38 years. And your excuse is what? I have no man. If it makes sense to you, it does not make sense to me. You've been in a particular condition and you can see the solution of your problem. And your excuse is that you have no man. People of God, I'll stay inside the water. What are you talking about? I'll stay inside the water. 38 years, the Holy Spirit will come and meet me there. How can you say you have no man? What are you doing yourself? And you see, that is the problem with many of us. So many things that we can do on our own. You say, I have no man. That is our excuse. I don't know anybody that can help me. I don't know anybody. And that thing that you are saying that you don't know anybody, something that you can do on your own. We don't always have to depend on someone else. For something we can do our own. You know, many of us always feel that your uncle has to help you. Your brother has to help you. I have told myself, you see all those people that refused to help me when I was young. I'm smiling and laughing at them today. And many of them want to relate with me now. And people are saying, why are you so nice? Look at what he did to you. I remember when I was young. I think I was 14 years old. I wanted to go and see my uncle in Kano, my cousin in Kano. He was doing very well. So I moved from here, entered, went to Onicha. That's from my village. Went to Onicha to enter attachment, night bus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My life is funny. Enter attachment, night bus. Attachment, night bus. I went all the way, attachment, night bus to Kano. On getting to my cousin's house, lo and behold, he was in the Navy where I was coming from. <laughs> you know there was no phone that time and what, you know what they did I arrived in the morning they packaged me back <laughs> they packaged me back and sent me on the morning bus back to the I know my mom my parents were very angry you know after, apparently, they had done something so much for him when he was younger. So they expected that he would retaliate the gesture. And me, I was so happy that when I was coming back, I had to sit down on a chair. And I tell myself that that person, even if he had treated me like that, 
that he does not owe me anything. He does not owe me anything. My parents were so nice to him. And so what? So because of that, he should be nice to me. And I will not be holding it against him. Okay, find your will. Nobody owes you anything. Don't always say, I have no man. You can do it yourself. And sometimes, many of us, I said, it is not possible that this man had no man. It's not possible. I don't know how old he was. The Bible did not say that he had been crippled from birth. He has been in that condition for 38 years. So maybe he's older than 38 years, right? Maybe along his line in his life, something happened to him and he became crippled. What did you do with yourself that made you have no man? Because I do not believe that nobody has somebody. I don't believe that. We always have someone. But maybe we have abused that privilege. You know how sometimes you see a friend you have not seen for 10 years. And you greet him with excitement. Oh, how are you? Oh, uh, so fine. Hi, now, nah, eh? You can't imagine. Oh, God bless you. Oh, you're doing well, oh. Hey, you're doing well, oh. My life is a living hell. As I'm talking to you, my wife is going through surgery in the hospital right now. I need 50,000 naira to pay as deposit. You've already started. My mom, you know, she just swallowed one shovel. And we are trying to find a way. And, and you start with all the problems. I know what the man would do. That your friend, oh, I'm so, oh my God, are you going through all this? And he gives you 20,000. And after that, he bars you. You know, many of us have abused access. A friend of mine called me today. He's doing very well, though. In fact, he's a convener of TED, TEDx, where he is. So he's doing fantastically well. But when he called me, he told me, Collins, I thank you because each time I call you, you respond. You pick up your call. Thank you for this access. I said, ah, this is a big man. And he's thanking me for access. You have one opening to somebody and you abuse it. You abuse it. Let us begin to see reasons why we can create something out of nothing. And when you are creating something, people begin to see you as someone that is adding value. In your office where you are employed, ask yourself, what can I do to this environment to make it better than I left it? I know the way some of us react to the jobs that we have. It's 9 to 5, I get there by 9. By 5 minutes past 5, I'm already in the bus stop. You know many of us have that attitude. You cannot go an extra mile for the place that you work. Your attitude towards what you said... Okay, since you have decided to pay me 100000 the job I will do here is a job of 100000 and nothing more. When somebody asks you, uh-uh, 
Why, why are you not doing this? I cannot come and go and kill myself. After all, <laughs> no be my papa business. Sorry? Okay. How much did they pay me? But they forget that when they were asking for the job, they were begging for that opportunity. Immediately you get the job. The next thing you say is how much did they pay me? We need to be grateful to employers of labor. Praise the Lord. Put your hands together for those that have time to employ labor. It's not a very easy thing. But we do not have people that are willing to create value where they are working. As we sit down here today, I would like us to begin to ask ourselves, how much improvement am I bringing to the place of work where I am? How much more am I doing? What value am I creating? Am I, the fact that I'm here, is this place even better than I met it? And you know that when you're employed to take a role, and it's not better after a couple of months than you met it, that you're not adding any value. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's not better than how you met it. You are not adding any value. The Bible said in verse 2 that in verse 1 it said, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2 it said, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. I'd like us to read this passage in contemporary English version, verse 2. C.E.V. The earth was barren with no form of life. Do you have another translation? I think it's the easy to read version. Easy to read, yes. The earth was completely empty. There was nothing on the earth. Darkness covered the ocean. You know, in chapter 1, the Bible said, God created the heavens and the earth, blah, 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 blah. And God created light. And the Lord looked at it, and it was good. And then he rested, and then the next day. But that particular God looked at it, and it was good. was omitted after this verse. Because the Bible says after he created the heavens and the earth, he looked at it and it was complete nonsense. The Bible said that it was empty. King James said it was without form. It was shapeless. It was void. It was completely empty. And it was dark, completely dark. So it did not make sense. When God looked at what he created, it was not good. Praise the Lord. So it is okay for us to attempt to do something, even if it comes out not good. But the problem is always when we leave it like that. Because if you see that God went ahead in verse 3 and he said, let there be light. God began to put shapes and colors into what he created. After he did that, he began to look at it and the scripture said that he evaluated what he did at every point in time. When we do something in your place of work, please, I'd like us to have the habit of evaluating what you did. I'm going to tell you something that is very simple where you can start. The simplest thing that many of us do today is sending 
chat or SMS. Have you realized that a number of us, when we are sending SMS, we do not go back to review what we have sent. And when you send that message, you discover that you've written a bunch of nonsense. Praise the Lord. That's the simplest thing you can do. <laughs> when you can create a habit of before you do something, you evaluate what you have done before you send. After sending, you go back to evaluate. And sometimes, you know, it's called short messages. Sometimes I just quickly send it. Please, after you send it, go back, evaluate. Now, WhatsApp can do edit, right? Edit it. And you know sometimes, some of us, the way we send messages, when you send that message, even to read it, go tired the person where you want to read them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You just send it. Some people, there's no space, no command, no full stop, nothing. You just type it like that, blah, 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 and just send. You know, anytime I read that kind of message, it just tells me the kind of person you are. Praise the Lord. You know, for me, even when I'm sending WhatsApp message and it's long, do you know I put paragraphs? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You put paragraphs. You know, it does not matter. I just want it to be neat so that when you want to read it, it's enticing to read. I'm saying this because this is the simplest thing that we can do. Anytime you do a work, evaluate your work. Even God created something and he evaluated what he created. You see, eh? God is God. Anything he says is good, is good. It does not matter whether it's good or not. Praise the Lord. But even him looked at it and saw that something is not good. We must always have the habit of improving on what we do. Notice that he didn't create anything else apart from man. All he did was to improve on the existing thing. Until it was time to create something else. All in a bit to complement the existing thing. Sometimes there is nothing wrong with what you currently do. We just need to improve on it. You do something and you are tired of what you're doing because it doesn't appear right. Sometimes it might not be wrong. The only thing that we needed to do was to improve on it. And you will discover that God was constantly working towards perfection. He did this in verse 2. He did this in verse 3. He did this in verse 4. He did this in verse 5. And he would constantly evaluate. This thing tells me that the God we serve is not a lazy God. Praise the Lord. God is not a lazy God. And his children should not be lazy. Let's not get too comfortable what we are doing. Because in order for us to get to where God is leading us to, we need to be really very hardworking. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He will not stand before ordinary people. He will stand before kings. There's no way a lazy man will stand before kings. There is no way a man who is not diligent will stand before kings. Whatever it is that you do, do it with all your might. With all your might. 
in a place that God wants to take you to. It's just the little thing. Do you think that this girl, I've forgotten her name, Mary or Mary, the fiancé of um, Moses Bliss, you think that the video she posted of her dancing to his song was random? Why are you people laughing? <laughs> I've talked about fiancé that you're laughing. You think it was random? You think it was not strategic positioning? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Remember she had told her mom that don't worry, the person will find me. And she found this song and posted it. And maybe in her mind she might say, maybe I should just add a small tag. Maybe, I don't know what that, that's what she did. I'm just saying. And then the Son of Man, being filled with the Holy Spirit, saw what God was doing and took advantage. Praise the Lord. It is the little things that we do to improve on the existing thing. You see, many of us die of iPhone right now. Carry iPhone 14 and iPhone 15 and tell me what the difference is. I can't tell the difference. I'm in tech. The only thing that will make me know the difference is if I turn and see the charging port. The new charging port is type C. The other one is lightning cable. That's all. They'll tell you that we improved on the camera. Take two pictures and put them side by side. You tell me the one that is iPhone 15 and the one that is... Have you seen the S24 Ultra? This newest Samsung. Can you tell the difference? Absolutely not. Just a little improvement. A little improvement. A little improvement. That's what makes you come out on top. A little improvement and people are dying to have you. A little improvement. That's why you are better than your colleagues. A little improvement. A little improvement. All we need to be strategically where God wants us to be is just a little improvement. What did God do? First, he imagined that he would create the heaven and the earth. And he created it. So first, he imagined. And number two, he created. Number three, he improved on it. He improved on what he did. Every single attempt, he improved on it. And the fourth one, he improved again. Everything can be better. Ask yourself. Bring a picture. This one is okay. You can leave this. It's okay. It's fine. Ask yourself. Bring a picture of how you look before you got married and how you look now. You will always feel that you look better now. Am I correct? Praise the Lord. Your before and after, everybody is remembering Pastor Yomi's picture now. <laughs> And do you know the funny thing about that pastor? He was parading fine boy those days. <laughs> he was parading fine boy. But when his wife touched him a little bit, just little touches from here and there, he looks like a fine man now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When I looked at my picture, you know, my wife sent her pictures when she was, I was what? I said, I try for your life, honestly. <laughs> And I was busy dying for the girl those days. I was not looking at those pictures. I was saying, is this what I was? 
Pastor, I've always been a fine boy. <laughs> I've always been a fine boy. And it's the same for everyone. Because it's just a little improvement that you need. What makes us stand out is just a little difference. Just an extra step, an extra mile. We need to do a little extra. You've been in church for five years, one year, two years, three years, four years, six years, ten years. Ask yourself, and some of you looking through the screens, ask yourself, what value have you added to Grace Assembly? Many of us are always looking for what we will take out. Do you know the number of people that we see, first-timers in church, that comes to us and want to collect money? The very first time you're in Grace Assembly, and somebody told me that I was somewhere, and they told him, you need help, go to Grace Assembly. They will help you. And I was saying, thank God for that person, man. <laughs> thank God that he sent you here. But you have to get involved in what we are doing here. I said, I'm glad that you are here. God bless you, but you have to get involved. We need to know you a little better. But what do they want to do? They just want to get whatever they can and get out. Do you know the number of people the church had to pay for surgeries for? They get it and they get out. Do you know the number of people the church had to pay? I can't even believe the church paid for accommodation for somebody. They get it, they get out. I remember when the church donated a car to somebody here in this church. They get it. They get out. Everybody is looking for what they can get. Nobody is asking for what they can give. And we can all give something. Praise the Lord. Before I discover my gift... In ministry. I was coming to church or fellowship then. I was not into church, church then. I was going to fellowship very early to sweep, to clean the chairs. And because I was a little artistic, you know, it's SU, scriptural union. We, have, we do it in secondary school, primary school. So I'll go to the blackboard and ask for what the topic of, the fellow, of, the, of that day is. They'll tell me the topic. I'll draw it artistically. You know, just like we have this positioning outside. I'll just draw it so people will just come on that day and see what we have for the day. That's what I was doing. There's no way there's nothing you can give. There is no way. You can give your time. Come early. I said it before that there are some people here, they might not know that they encourage me personally because each time I come here, I see them. Emmanuel and his wife. They don't know. They encourage me. Each time I come, I see them. They're even very unassuming. The husband will climb here and be doing camera like this. The wife will sit down there and be singing in choir as if nobody notices them. But they're here all the time. And I say, they encourage me. You think we don't need encouragement? You think the senior pastor does not need encouragement? And just they're physically coming here and giving their time. Blesses somebody. If you don't know, it blesses me. We all have something that we can give. I don't have money. I don't have this. I don't have time. Look within you. God asks Moses, what do you have in your hand? 
Elijah asked the widow, what do you have? I have nothing except one small oil. Always look within and ask yourself, what do you have? You know, whatever you have that is little is a seed you can sow. And God does not disappoint his people. He would always bless you. So, four, I said, improve, and then improve again. And then the fifth one, that what you have done will always grow. I'm going to close by telling us what happened to God after he did this. In the entire chapter one, chapter one has 31 verses. In the entire chapter one, God was mentioned 30 times in chapter 1. Sorry, 32 times in chapter 1. And God saw it was good. God created this. And God saw it was good. God created this. God did this. God did this. So God was prevalent in the entire chapter 1. But let's look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4. This is the history of heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. I'm sure we may not have cited the difference. But the entire chapter 1, God was called God 32 times. God, God, God. But immediately it got to chapter 2. From verse 4 and in the entirety of chapter 2 from verse 4. God's name changed. Or should I say God's position changed. From being called God to being called the Lord God. If you check verse 5, verse 6, verse 7. God's name changed from being called God. To being called the Lord, all caps, God. And why? Because he was not only God anymore that was existing for nothing. He was now the Lord God because he was the Lord over something. Even God knew that his mere existence meant nothing until he was Lord over something. God knew that his mere existence meant nothing until he created something. Until he added value to himself and to the universe. And his position changed from being God to being the Lord God. There is no way you will add value. There is no way you take these steps to reposition yourself that your name will not change. Praise the Lord. You may be a trainee. You eventually become a management trainee. You might be a management trainee now. Eventually become management. Praise the Lord. You might be an executive. But with just that little added value, you become a manager. I want us to begin to go back to market, our marketplaces. Go back to your departments in the church. And ask yourself, how much am I doing? Some of us are actually in departments, so we are working, but we are not doing anything. You just 
make yourself present in that department. You come to church, and many of us have been to church. We, we don't even join any department. We don't want to join any department. We just want to come to church and go. After all, I'm giving offering. My offering should be enough. Maybe we need to take you upstairs, and you follow us and count the offering, and you see how much you are giving. Praise the Lord. You to ask yourself now, all those four times or eight times that you come to church, add all of them together, all the money you've given, ask yourself, how much is it? You know, we've not done that in a long time. Ask yourself, just tell yourself how much. Let me add it together. How much have I given? May the Lord help us. I'd like us to stand up on our feet. I'd like us to begin to talk to God about what you've heard today, the repositioning strategy. The crux of our discussion today is that we consider creating something in our department in church, in the unit that we find ourselves, in our workplace, in our environment, in the place where you stay, in your neighborhood. Does your existence there mean anything? Are you doing anything for your local community, for your family? What are you doing differently? What value are you adding to your surroundings and the immediate people around you? Even in your immediate home, what value are you adding? If God must identify us, we need to begin to do something. If we must matter, we need to begin to do something. If we need God to take us to where we are supposed to be, we need to, on our own, begin to do something. And Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. Thank you for opening our hearts and our eyes to realizing that when we do not add value, we do not position ourselves properly for what you are about to do in our lives. God, may we not miss the positioning that you have prepared for us. God, help us that whatever we are doing, we'll find ourselves in the place that you have prepared for us. Help us not to be lazy. Help us to be diligent in our business. And our business here in church, help us to be diligent. In our business, in our workplace, Lord, help us to be diligent. Wherever we find ourselves, Lord, help us to be diligent. Ultimately, those of us who are well positioned will be destined to win no matter what. Precious be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name, Father. In Jesus' mightless name we pray. And amen. Put your hands together for the Lord.